It is good to be with you today. Appreciate everyone being out so that we can gather together and worship God. It is a blessing to have each other as we journey here below and to encourage one another in our endeavor to obtain the prize, the prize of grace and mercy, of love and compassion. We'll turn your Bibles to Hebrews. In a moment, we're just going to glance at a few verses there. We will turn your Bibles to Hebrews. No generation of God's people are spared from the painful reality of apostasy. And you see very quickly in the New Testament that the Lord's church in the beginning, in the first century, Face the, the factuality uh, of Christians falling away. Christians falling away from the Lord, turning away from the truth. And so therefore we read in the inspired writings of the New Testament about individual Christians. We even read about congregations of, Christ, of Christians who are walking in darkness and would be eternally lost if... They did not repent. Now, not a believer who never calls on the name of the Lord with an obedient faith to be saved does not fall away from the Lord, does not fall away from that one faith, from that saved and right relationship with God. Where if a person fails to put on Christ and obedience to Him through faith, well then... He cannot fall from something that he has not obtained. But he's still lost, though. But a Christian, a disciple, a person like you and me who profess to be followers of Christ, well, clearly the New Testament brings up the fact that we can go astray. The fact that we can go into apostasy. In Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. A couple chapters over in the same book, we read in the fourth chapter, excuse me, third chapter, Take care, brethren, that there be, you know, not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away, that falls away from the living God. Our generation is no different from the generation of the past. And so we, we see apostasy all around us. And so we're having to deal with the same kind of things that they had to deal with in the first century. I want to suggest to you that the same root causes for apostasy in the first century are the same causes for apostasy today in our century. And so why? Why do Christians, why do disciples of Jesus turn away? Why, why do people turn away from the Lord? Why do they turn away from the one faith, from the truth? I want to suggest to you that one answer to that question is this, and that is, in Hebrews chapter, chapter, uh, 
Here you go. Yes. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it tells you that you're to pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. That first phrase, what do you think about? When we lack the attention of the right kind of things, what's going to happen? Well, our attention is going to be distracted. We're going to start focusing on the things we, we shouldn't be focusing on. And so we find here the warning to Christians like you and me that we've got to pay attention to the right things. And so whether you're talking about an individual or whether you're talking about a congregation, either, in either case, either one can be guilty of not giving proper attention. That is, not paying attention to the things, to the matters which God addresses, which God prescribes. An example of that, to me at least, is illustrated over in Matthew chapter 23, where you've got Jesus pronouncing a number of woes against the Jewish leadership as he exposes their sin, their unfaithfulness to God under the law of Moses. And one of the things he says here in verse 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you tithe, mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. He goes on to say, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the other. So Jesus exposes one reason for their unfaithfulness. And that is, while they are focusing so hard on one thing, he says, you neglected something else. Can we do that? Can we do that today in the 21st century? That we get so you know, you know, focused on one thing that we neglect something else? Well, yes. It's easy to do. And so therefore we can see that we can become guilty of a, of, of a same kind of sin. Of the same kind of transgression when we, we are not being attentive to all of God's righteousness. This is what we're told in Hebrews 2. He says, pay attention. Pay attention to the right things. And he tells you what things in verse 1 that we're to be paying attention to. He said, you need to pay attention to the things that you have, that you have heard. You need to pay attention to what you have previously been taught, what you have learned. And in the context of Hebrews chapter, chapter 2 and chapter 1, what are those things? Well, it's the thing that God has spoken to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. In these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. And, and we are told who that Son is in chapter 1, and the preeminence of the Son. And then in chapter 2, it begins by saying, okay, Pay attention. Pay attention to the things you've heard, lest you drift away from it. If we don't do that ourselves in the 21st century, we'll drift. We'll drift away from the Lord. We'll drift away from the truth. We'll drift away from God's righteousness. And there are a number of passages in the New Testament that clearly bring out the importance of paying attention to the whole counsel of God. And so in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, there in Matthew's account of the Great Commission, as 
Matthew's bringing this inspired account to his close. He says, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew concludes with the Lord himself saying, pay attention to everything that I say. Pay attention. Don't be like the Jews who get so focused in on one thing that you neglect something else that is just as weighty. In our study in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul makes this point in the sixth verse. He says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuredly applied to myself and Apollos for your sake, servants, stewards of the gospel, of the mysteries of Christ. He says, You know, we've applied this to ourselves so that in us you may learn, now listen, not to exceed what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. When we, do, when we exceed what is written, Paul suggests what's happening is, is that we're being arrogant. He says, you need to learn not to, ex to exceed what is written so that not one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. Or over in, in 2 John verse, in verse 9 where, where we're told that if we abide in the doctrine, in the teaching of Christ, we have both the Father and the Son. If I want to be in a right relationship, I want to have, uh, have fellowship with my God, with my Creator, with my Father, with my Redeemer. He says, I have to abide in. I have to continue in the teaching of Christ. I've got to pay attention to what is revealed. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. Paul says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by letter from us. Pay attention. What do we need to pay attention to? We need to pay attention to all that has been spoken to the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy 3.16, talks about the inspiration of the Scriptures, all inspired. And it's profitable in what way? Well, it's profitable in that it reproves us, it rebukes us, and it exhorts us. It teaches us, it instructs us. So I need to give heed to reproof. Not only do I need to give reproof, I need to give heed to reproof. Each of us can do that. We need to pay attention to God's reproofs and God's rebukes and God's exhortations. So why did the saints of the first century, why did some of them turn away? Why did they fall away from the Lord, from the one faith, and, and go into error? One reason is because they had a lack of attention to the right things. But not only do we need to be attentive to the Word of God, but also, if you look again in Hebrews chapter 4, which we had, it began our lesson with, in Hebrews chapter 4, we're also being told that we need to be attentive to one another's spiritual needs. We noted earlier in, in the, uh, uh, actually in chapter 3, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. We noted earlier, he says, Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. And so here we're told 
that you know, we need to make sure we're paying attention to what? Well, to ourselves, but also, verse 13, to one another. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So here we got an, an, an admonition. Here we're being told that we need to be careful so that we ward off any signs of unbelief creeping into our hearts. But because it can happen, it does happen to Christians. But the same thing, as we're told to be careful, to watch out for ourselves, we are also told that we need to be, we need to be proactive. In what way? We need to be proactive in encouraging one another day after day. Now this principle, this concept, is one reason why assembling like we do on Sundays and on Wednesday, that's why you know, assembling together and devoting ourselves in this way is important, is a spiritual priority. Why do, I, why do we need to be steadfast in this endeavor? Why do I need to continually do this? Well, one reason is, it's one way I can encourage one another. It's not the only way I encourage, but it's, it is one of the ways we encourage. But the sad reality is that a weak brother or an erring brother drifts away sometimes not just because of his own bad choices. He drifts away because he's made bad choices. But sometimes that's not the only reason. Because sometimes it includes us. Because we as brethren are not always being attentive as we should to each other spiritually. It is so easy in our world today to get so wrapped up in ourselves, our little worldviews. And when that happens, we're not looking outward. We're not looking to one another. So the result is we neglect weightier matters. Because we're so focused on one thing here. And we let a brother do we not? So that's one reason. Why? Christians, all the way from the Lord. Another reason is the fact they give attention to the wrong things. So now you turn over to another familiar passage, over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 this time. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look at verse 1. He says, The Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So not only do people fall away because they don't pay attention to the right things, other people fall away because they pay attention to the wrong things. Worldly things are constantly contending and grasping for our attention. That's what the, you know, the marketing world is all about. Getting your attention. But you know what? In our world today, it's not just stuff that they're selling, is it? It's sin. It's falsehood. And due to technology and media, audio and visual communications rouse interest in our lives with ease. The home has been opened up to a world, a world of enticements. And 
I suggest to you it all began way back in history. As you, you know, before my time. With that scene in black and white of the family gathering around the radio. That's when it started. The home became opened up through technology. And it all, you know, that black and white picture of that scene seemed so innocent, you know, but you know, even back then, everything come across the, the radio wasn't good. But we went from the radio and then we went to television. And now, today, in our day and age, now, every person in most families, or many families, have their own phone and have their own computer. We've opened up ourselves to be ensnared, to get entangled. And the Spirit of God, here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I would suggest you, God knew this was going to happen. God, who is omniscient, knew the technological world that would occur. And He knew what man would do with it. He also knew what Satan would do with it. And He says to us, latter times, some will fall away. Why? Because they pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. The Spirit warns us here the deceitfulness and lies is what causes some Christians to depart from the faith. The devil is the greatest deceiver of the world. There's no one that is more deceptive than the devil. And he's got a lot of people under him who's good at following the master, their master. He's the father of lies, Jesus tells us in John chapter 8. And so we shouldn't be surprised how successful and how easily the devil hacks in to our lives. That shouldn't be surprising to us. And we were warned. We were warned of this in the first century by Paul to his letter to Timothy when he says, In latter times, some will fall paying attention to deceitful spirits. Lies have multiplied. Lies have spread. And falsehood is everywhere. And usually it's all dressed up in sheep's clothing. And so we're reminded in the letters of, the, of, letters of Paul of how worldly wisdom stands in opposition. It stands in opposition to a true knowledge of God. Worldly wisdom goes against God's knowledge. But also we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that speculation, what do they do? Well, they, they're going to raise up their ugly heads and likewise oppose God. Or over in Romans 1, as you've got society described there in very graphic terminology, it describes how depraved mankind has become. And it describes to us how men suppress the truth. They suppress the truth in unrighteousness and then exchange that truth of God for a lie. What's the result? The result then is that men worship and serve the creature. That is, they end up 
worshiping and serving themselves in their own filth and depravity. We live in a world, we live in a culture where man has accumulated knowledge, much knowledge through centuries of discovery, and there's a lot of good things, a lot of amazing things that God has allowed and, and blessed men to learn, but that knowledge, that knowledge has not helped the majority to be righteous image bearers of God. So here we are in the 21st century, and we know so much, and we're still so ignorant of who God is and who we are to be. Too often people are way too quick to give heed to the words and thinking of a professor or of a so-called expert or an author or a commentator, and today even a random blogger. How quickly people are eager to hear what men have to say. And so when Christians listen too attentively to worldly reasoning, what's going to happen? Well, their minds and their hearts are going to be led astray. And, and so we're told, beware. Beware of what you listen to. If you give attention to the wrong thing, you'll go astray. But that's not the only reason. Then you turn over to 2 Timothy and you find that another reason people turn away from the Lord is because of their own desire. They want to do what they want to do. Now God, who created and has instilled within us all the ability to make choices, and those choices are empowered how? They're empowered by our wills. And they're empowered by our desires. And so some desires are God-given. And those God-given desires are to be used to glorify God in our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But ungodly desires, perverted desires, are not from God. That stems from greed and selfishness and all manner of corruption. That's where the ungodly desires come from. But the fact is this, that... Apostasy occurs sometimes because Christians turn away from sound teaching. They turn away from the truth just because of their desires. Because of what they want. Their longings. Their cravings. Their appetites. So a disciple of Jesus sometimes cease to submit to God's righteousness. They no longer abide in Christ's narrow path. Why? Because they want to do something other than what God has spoken. Others may be that they just simply want to justify the deeds or the pleasures that they're already engaged in. And so they want to find a way to justify the love of the world, which a person does not learn in Christ. No matter what a man's good intentions are, so-called, good intentions do not change the requirement of God's law. That principle is brought out by Jesus himself there in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, verse 
you know, 21 through 23. He said, Not everyone who said to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me, oh, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, cast out demons in your name before many miracles. And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why do Christians turn away from the truth? The narrow way? Some don't give attention to the right things. Others give attention to the wrong things. And then another group simply follow their own desires. But then finally, there's a fourth thing. And that is running with worldly people. In 1 Peter chapter 4, as we bring this lesson to a close, in 1 Peter chapter 4, we'll turn over there very quickly. The apostle is admonishing and encouraging the saints that were scattered in his lifetime concerning their, their calling, their walk in Christ, reminding them what their new purpose in Christ is to be, and how that they are to no longer live the rest of their life in the flesh through the loss of men, verse 2, but rather they are to live it for the will of God. And so verse 3 talks about some sin that they are to put away, no longer pursue. Those things are not to be na named among them. And as a result of that, he says, former friends, former associates are surprised, verse 4, that you do not run with them in the same excesses of dissipation, and they malign you. Conversion to Christ is a call for a total transformation in the Lord. And so this new life, this new allegiance, not only means a change of personal actions, but also it means that we must be willing to change our friends. We must be willing to change our associations. Why? You run with the world, you eventually conduct yourself. And so when we do not make a definitive break with worldly activities and with worldly people, what's going to happen? Well, the worldly pressure is going to pull us right back into the world that we supposedly love. What's kind of unique about the world is this, that worldly people will not stay your friend unless you join them. They will not stay your friend they may pretend to be your friend for a while. If you do not join them, if you do not talk like them, you don't play like they play, you don't go to the places they go, you don't do the thing that they're doing, then I can stay your friend. That's the nature of it. But if you keep trying to run with them, the pressure gets greater and greater. And eventually, if you don't break, you will be broken. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Technology allows a person today to run with worldly people while they are miles apart. You don't have to be in the same room anymore. Running. Networking 
It's just a new dimension of world influence. Do not be deceived. The devil is a skilled manipulator. So take heed. Take heed to yourself. Be on guard. Pay attention to the things that are good, that are right. The things that you've learned in Christ. But don't pay attention to the things that are deceitful and lies. But be careful what you desire. Make sure that you're not following your lust. Rather, that you're truly following the Lord God. But come out and separate. Separate the world and do not touch it. We live in a very difficult time. Difficulty of our times, not just because of this virus. It's made things more challenging. There's deadlier things. There are deadlier things than COVID. Take it. Be on You're here today. You're a Christian that has been entangled or snared with sin in some way. You've not gone to your father about that. I want to encourage you to use this opportunity among those who love you, care about you, and are concerned for you. Not just for the here and now, but eternally. We can assist you anyway and help your, your journey to heaven. Make your wishes known. But if you're not a Christian, if you're not called upon the name of the Lord and obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we want to encourage you to make that commitment today. Do not delay. Today is the day of salvation. Why not today confess your faith in Jesus Christ as God's Son, repent of your sins and be baptized, to put on Christ and wash away your sins and begin walking a new life because of a new allegiance. We assist you any way today, spiritually. We invite you to encourage you. Please come now and stand in soon.